The scripture this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Be God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray that you speak through me and when and where necessary in spite of me. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, in the time that I have with you all, I would like to preach and teach on a sermon. I'm not used to having a choir behind me. On a sermon entitled, Call and Response. Call and Response. Samuel is in a time of transition. He is a teenager. He's somewhere between a boy and a man. His mother, Hannah, had prayed and prayed to have a child with her husband, Elkanah. And Hannah responded to God's blessing of motherhood by returning her first child to God in gratitude. She named him Samuel, which means, which means God hears. And Hannah has sent Samuel to work and serve alongside an elderly priest by the name of Eli, a name that translates to my God. Now Samuel does not know the life ahead of him. He does not know how he will hear a call from the Lord to prophesy against the actions of his mentor and the closest thing to a predecessor. Samuel doesn't yet know that he will be the first person to occupy the office of prophet. He doesn't know that God, that through him, God will give Israel their first king. Samuel will not only be changed by the voice of God and the call on his life, His call will change the course of Israelite history. Israel was once scattered tribes ruled by judges and will become a unified nation ruled by kings and it will become an empire in the rank with Syria and Egypt. The call of Samuel is is significant for the life of Israel. But this is a lot for a teenager to handle. 
This morning I'd like to focus on two things. One, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And the importance of working together to seek and hear the voice of God. The Lord's word was rare at that time and visions were not widely known. In many of the most well-known stories in the Hebrew Bible, God's voice was very pronounced. God's presence and voice appeared in miraculous ways, in burning bushes and in parting of the Red Sea, in floods and in rainbows. That's how it was, but it is no longer. Israel is in a time of corruption where religious leaders are abusing their position. People are not willing to speak about their encounters with God. Perhaps the perversion and the corruption of Israel meant that God is less likely to speak in the powerful ways of old. But we don't know why God's word was rare. We just know that it was. But the call of Samuel this morning is an invitation to cherish what it means to have an intimate relationship with the God that calls us by name. We tend to treat things differently when they are rare. I have made it one of my personal life goals to not be featured on an episode of Hoarders Buried Alive. Uh, it is a very difficult goal. So every now and then I try to purge some things. So not too long ago I was looking at some pictures and going through photos. And I ran across some photos from when I was in high school. And in high school I met one of my best friends. In the beginning of our friendship, we used to speak all the time, though our time together was rare because we didn't go to the same high school. But over the years, our lapses in communication have grown, but she remains a precious and rare friend. Rare and precious not solely because of the bond of friendship, but because whenever we have time together, it is sacred time. Rare moments remind us of the blessings of intimacy, the blessings of friendship, the blessings of being known. Does God not also desire an intimate relationship with us? Does God not desire a relationship of reaching out, of calling and responding? When we interpret the word of the Lord being rare as something that is blessed and cherished, we see the importance of what happens in the wee hours of the morning in the temple with Eli and Samuel. God is speaking. God's voice is back. After a period of months or maybe even years, the voice of God comes to a teenager sleeping next to the ark on the temple floor, and there God speaks his name. Samuel. Samuel. God is speaking in a temple, an earshot of a priest, and a boy whose whole life has been about being an instrument of God. However, strangely, neither one of them recognized the voice of God. But the story gets even weirder. The two, name tra- the two names translate to my God and God hears. Samuel has been an apprentice of Eli for about four or five years. He has been learning the duties of a priest. He's been sleeping next to the holiest object in the house of worship. And when he hears God's calling his name, he doesn't recognize the voice of God. This would all seem ironic if it weren't the story of so many Christians today. There are so many who find themselves going through the motions. 
At times we get so used to being in church, to doing behaviors of church people, that we forget what it means to have an intimate encounter with God. We forget what it feels like to hear God call us by name. But we need the church to help us, to help us remember. There is a Duke Divinity School professor who said, I go to church because I forget. I forget between Sundays what it means to be a disciple and how tough it can be. I forget stories of my faith because sometimes during the week, the stories of society drown out the stories of God. The church is a group of people who range from people being at their wit's end to what author Anne Lamott claims might be more or less okay. The church is a group of people who need each other to survive and to collectively listen to God's voice. And it can be increasingly easy for us to be like Samuel and Eli, so used to doing the work of church, so used to meeting that we forget our mission. But our passage this morning forces us to pay attention to the relationships between different generations as they listen to the call of God. There are at least two generations between Eli and Samuel. Eli is an elderly priest who has lost some of his fire, both physically and spiritually. He is blind, and he only softly reprimands reprimands his son for abusing the temple offerings. His last days are spent with Samuel. Wonder what those days were like. Were they the best of friends, or were they just silently working together? Were they like us? Were they quick to judge, quick to make broad generalizations about an entire generation? The story of an older generation judging the younger is nothing new. Some look at today's youth with their smartphones, their tablets, and their earbuds and think they are rude or they somehow don't know how to communicate. We judge their fashion and we wonder about their morals And it seems as if every generation seems to think they were the last good generation. (laughs) But younger generations also stereotype older generations. We want to ban senior citizens from driving. We assume that their years mean not that they are wise, but they are too old to know anything. We buy into the stereotypes based on media portrayals because we do not take the time to really get to know those younger and older than us. But with possibly 50 years between them, Samuel hears the Lord calling his name, and he runs to Eli. He runs to Eli to help him understand what it means to hear the word of God. And Eli dismisses him. Today the ask may not be as explicit as Samuel running to Eli, yet youth need the help of older generations. It might not be a young person rushing to you in the middle of the night asking what's happening, The plea might be in the hunched posture of a young teenage boy wearing a hoodie, speaking in in muffled grumbles into the ground. It may be a young teenage girl who thinks her only value is that of an object for men, who will never set foot in the sanctuary because she's afraid and wonders if the church will accept her. Samuel Samuel might be the child whose grades are slipping in school because he or she has never been told that it's okay to be smart and intelligent. There are so many stories of teenagers and young people crying for help and needing mentors to speak God's truth into their lives. 
And often we as adults can forget how difficult it is to be a teenager. Teenagers may physically appear to be adults, but in reality, sometimes it's just happening so fast. Their bodies are not always moving at the same pace as their mind and their heart. And like Samuel, there are teenagers today who run to those who have been there to help them navigate God's call on their lives. Who are the Eli's? Are they the people who have taught Sunday school or served as confirmation mentors or worked with vacation Bible school? Think about who the Eli's were in your life. Who were those adults or young people who ran to you to help you hear God speaking to you? Or who were the Eli's who sought you out, took you by the hand, and helped you figure out what the voice of God sounded like? Eli sends Samuel back to bed. God calls again, Samuel, Samuel. He responds, I am here. Samuel responds, but because Samuel did not yet know the Lord, he did not know how to interpret the voice of God. Again, he goes to Eli and is dismissed. But Samuel does not give up on Eli. Maybe Samuel didn't give up on running to Eli because Eli was there. His parents were gone and Eli remained. Eli was that consistent adult, that constant presence in his life. Sometimes the Samuels in our lives are not our own children, but other people's children who have been entrusted to us by God to help them interpret the faith. A third time, God calls Samuel, Samuel, and runs to Eli. This third time, Eli realized that it was the Lord and told him to respond, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Eli, though blind, Eli, though old, Eli, though fragile, instructs Samuel to respond. And upon listening to Eli's instruction, Samuel is open to an encounter with God. But the call of God, the call of God on Samuel is dependent both on the persistence of Samuel and the wisdom of Eli. God calls, and together we respond. Young running to old, old guiding young, we encounter God's intimate call on all of our lives. I'm passionate about youth ministry, and I have been since I was a youth myself. And I think that's because I was a Samuel trying to figure out God's call in my life. And it was because I was a Samuel that I wanted to become an Eli, an adult who worked and journeyed with young people as they figured out their identity as children of God. It is a frightening and awesome thing to hear the word of God on your life. And it is likewise also frightening and awesome to help name the voice of God in the lives of young people. Whether you are a Samuel or an Eli, responding to God's call, listening to God's voice will change your life. Do not allow the stereotypes and the myths to separate young and old. Don't let fear keep you from reaching out to Eli's or sitting with Samuel's. This is what it means to be church. Young and old listening to the voice of God together. Call and response. Zoe is a high school sophomore. I was her youth minister when she was in 6th and 7th grade. Even though Zoe has spent most of her time as a youth without me as her youth minister, she will always be one of my youth. God is calling Zoe. 
I saw God's call on her life and her willingness to serve and her ability to befriend anyone and her knowledge of the Bible and faith when it appeared that she wasn't even listening. I saw it in the patience she took to teach other youth how to wobble, which was a line dance that was popular a couple years ago. It's probably not popular anymore. (laughs) I saw it in the compassion she showed to the homeless on a youth mission trip. Zoe is 15 now. I haven't seen her since my ordination, though occasionally we text. I no longer spend my Sunday nights with her getting the latest youth group gossip. Samuels, though, have many names and many shapes. Zoe is called to the ministry. God is calling, and I hope and pray that she responds. I pray that in the time that I was her youth minister, even as our communication becomes infrequent, that I have the courage to be an Eli in her life. Because Zoe needs to know that God is calling her by name, that God has a purpose and a plan for her, and that she is precious in God's sight. I don't know if Zoe will grow up to be a youth minister or a pastor, even if I maybe annoyingly so told her that every week. I just know that God is calling her, and God is using her. And before I left my position as her youth minister, I pushed my own fears aside of how she might respond, and I told her all of this in a letter. And I may not know if anything I ever taught her or tried to teach her or tried to affirm in her will matter or make a difference. And maybe I will never know, because how she responds to God is between her and God. I just know that despite how our Samuels respond, we are still called to be Eli's. Samuels keep running. Samuels keep reaching out. Samuels keep needing Eli's to to recognize them, needing Eli's to help share with them the knowledge of the Lord, the testimonies of what God has done for them. This is who we are. We are a bunch of Samuels and we are a bunch of Eli's trying to figure it out together. Don't give up on the Samuels. Samuels, don't give up on the Elis. Because when you least expect it, when you think you're mentoring and praying and journeying with Samuels is in vain, you stumble across them in a grocery store, you hear a word from their friends or family, and realize that they are indeed walking in the light. They are responding with authenticity to God's call on their lives. We have all both been a Samuel a Samuel and an Eli. You have been a Samuel needing an Eli, and you have been an Eli who journeys with Samuel. Call and response, together, young and old, may this be our prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.